This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Small Biz America. The Brain. Michael Schumann is Director of Research and Public Policy for the Business Alliance for Local Living Economies, otherwise known as B-A-L-L-E, Bali. Bali has more than 70 member communities in North America. Another 50 or so are affiliated with the American Independent Business Alliance. Internationally, more than 1,000 communities are beginning to undertake similar work through organizations like Transition Towns and Post-Carbon Futures. Michael Schumann is our guest. He joins us live from his office's in Washington, D.C. Michael, welcome to the program. Very nice to be with you. So I uh, reviewed some materials in preparation for this segment, Michael. Uh, relocalizing business is, of course, uh, top and center for you and the work you're doing. Um, first, let's lay the groundwork. Uh, tell us about the work you're personally involved with at Bali. Well, my work at Bali is primarily about promoting economic development tools uh, for communities with local business alliances, which is what Bali is all about. And these tools are designed to help nurture local businesses, expand their power, encourage more startups, and generally, you know, strengthen the percentage of one's economy that is dominated by locally owned business. Michael, when you talk about what it means to be a local business, in quotes, there's there's a two-part distinction to be made here. Do I have that right? That's right. I think there's a common discussion, particularly in the context of food, that is talking about uh, how far uh, an item moves from the source to the consumer. And so when people talk about local food, they think, well, I'm getting food that's close to my farmer. But in fact, I think for a growing percentage of the American public that's interested in buying local, what's at least as important is that the businesses along that chain are locally owned. And the reason is, and this is really the fundamental building block for the Business Alliance for Local Living Economies, is that locally owned businesses contribute far more to the economic well-being of a community than a non-locally owned business. Yes. And the more that we can 
focus economic development on those businesses, the more successful it will be. When you talk about a culture of sustainability, uh, maybe it would be useful to travel virtually together to a place called Bellingham, Washington. This is uh, two hours north of Seattle. Actually, I've been there. What does Bellingham have right about how to attract and retain global businesses? Yeah, well, what I would say is that the interesting thing about local businesses is you don't have to engage in the traditional tools of attraction or retention because attracting a local business is an oxymoron and if you your goal is is to retain local businesses then just simply being a good community with a thriving economy is probably the best thing you can do to keep that business situated there so really i mean what local businesses do is they allow you to focus on nurturing new economic activity and nurturing entrepreneurs. And Bellingham, Washington represents uh, the, the, the Bali network of all the 70 that you mentioned that probably has done the most and uh, built the most durable structure um, around local living economies. And, and this is, you know, Bellingham is a community of about 100,000 people. Uh, that has managed to build enough of a staff around this work that they have eight full-time people wow. uh, doing everything from green building to uh, sustainable energy to local food to other kinds of uh, retail business promotion by local first campaigns. So in the end, um, there's now nearly a thousand businesses in Bellingham that are part of this network. And these businesses believe that the work of Sustainable Connections, the name of this Bali network, has been critical in their success and in their ability to bring customers into the door. I mean, they believe it is the single most important advertising campaign that they have done in the last decade. So just to visualize this, they found a way to, I'll say, band these businesses together in sort of a branding sort of way in order to help co-develop marketing messaging. Give us a sense of what this looks like. Yeah, so... um, I mean, in a sense, Bali networks are miniature chambers of commerce, uh, and they do many of the things that a healthy chamber would do, but very few chambers do do, and that is that they represent, uh, in a spirited way, the interests of local small businesses that are often different from larger businesses. Yes. And, And really, the critical breakthrough, I think, for Bali is to help local businesses recognize that their competition is not one another, as they've fought for years and years, Mm. but their competition is chains and other non-local businesses. And by working with local businesses, um, by, for example, buying inputs to their businesses together and thereby bringing down costs or by running these local first campaigns and mobilizing people to buy local, they can make themselves more competitive together. There are some themes about localization and sustainability probably worthy of mention. As I understand it, non-locally owned companies, well, it makes sense. They're very difficult to regulate from an environmental standpoint. Yes. I mean, I believe that local ownership is a key 
component of sustainability for a bunch of different reasons. Um, so one of them is that, it, it, as, as you alluded to, when you have an economy that is mostly made up of non-local businesses, when you decide to raise environmental standards, those businesses will simply say, forget it, we're out of here. Yeah. But if you have a bunch of locally owned businesses that are rooted in place, those businesses are going to adapt rather than flee. And that's a huge difference. Um, another thing about local businesses is they tend to spend their money locally. So that means that most of the inputs going into local businesses come from nearby places. And most of the sales of local businesses also are at nearby places. So because the things coming in and out of those businesses travel shorter distances, um, they consume less energy and they put off less greenhouse gas. So if you care about climate disruption, you've got to be interested in promoting localization of the economy. I noticed another theme around the environment, perhaps, is where it comes to mind, is the accountability issue. If you live in a community, uh, you're going to care about the shape that community's in from an environmental point of view. That's right, because uh, at the end of the day, if you are going to the same church as someone who owns a business that's behaving irresponsibly, you'll have an opportunity walking in and out of the to tell that person what you think. So shame becomes a lever for getting environmentally responsible yeah. behavior. Yeah. But when you have a distant absentee owner, then that's not possible. No, I love the concept of the accountability. I mean, it just makes so much sense. We're visiting with Michael Schumann. He's the Director of Research and Public Policy for the Business Alliance for Local Living Economies, otherwise known as Bali. And Michael, give us the website for folks that want to learn more. Well, I'll give you two website addresses. Please. Um, the one for Bali is www.livingeconomies.org, O-R-G. And my own website where I post my own research and writing is www.smallmart, S-M-A-L-L hyphen mart, M-A-R-T dot org. Let's look at the idea of prosperity within localization, the idea of localization. The enduring quality of local businesses outstrips that of non-local businesses. Seems kind of intuitive, doesn't it? Well, I think it does. And look, I think most Americans, when given the choice between local businesses and non-local businesses, they, they intuitively get it that you know, retaining their local businesses is really good for their community. They, they complain and will defect away from local businesses if the products are not very good, if the services aren't good, or if the prices aren't good. Yeah. And I think one of the interesting developments that Bali is part of is that there's a whole new ethos among locally owned businesses that they need to be competitive, and indeed they can be competitive. And they are now learning, you know, lots of tricks that the chain stores have used as ways of becoming more competitive. But here's something that people don't appreciate, because really, if you if you ask the question, how much more of the economy does non-local business occupy today than, say, 
20 years ago? Yeah. The, ans- the answer is zero. That is to say, uh, non-local businesses really have no greater market share of the economy than they did 20 years ago. Hmm. Now, that seems totally counterintuitive because we, you know, we see, gee, you know, in my town, Walmart has come in, Home Depot, Starbucks, and all these local businesses have been slapped down as a result. But what we forget is everything that I've just mentioned is retail. And retail is only 7% of the economy. And it is true that in retail, local businesses have lost some ground. But remarkably, in the other 93% of the economy, local businesses have gained ground. Um, and, and in some categories, quite remarkably. Wow. So it, we are still largely a local business economy. And, and we, when you look at other economies out there, like Canada or Australia or many of the European economies, they even have a higher percentage of their economy rooted in locally owned businesses. Does the retail ratio change in those, let's say, Australia? Um, well, in, in those countries, the same phenomenon is true, that retail has been a harder place for local businesses to survive. Uh, but I think that some of the reasons for that are past. That is to say that, you know, there was a case um, when oil was cheap for supermarkets and, um, you know, grocery stores to chain up and to, to uh, deliver food over very long distances. Um, but, but what's happening now is that in an era of rising oil prices, that businesses that rely on these sort of long-distance supply chains are going to be in real trouble. And so, you know, no longer are you going to get your cheapest prices from Walmart that does production in China and brings goods 10,000 miles to the United States, because the comparative advantage will be for local producers who distribute locally as well. Now, there's also a challenge, Michael Schumann, to get the economies of scale that, let's say, a Cisco food service truck uh, has, where it can throw all kind, you know, thousands of pounds, tons of items on a truck and deliver them through a community. Uh, it's it's hard for the local, let's say, food players to get that kind of economies of scale, isn't it? Well, the way that they get that economy of scale is through collaboration. So you're right that that's the vision that represents a you know gigantic animal with many many tentacles is one way of of, of organizing a large grouping of activity. But another way of doing it um, would be a producer cooperative with local members. And you really can see this in the hardware domain. Um, So, you know, one of the ways that uh, um, true value hardware stores, all of which are locally owned, have competed against Home Depot is they have a national producer cooperative that goes out in the world looking for discounts, buying things in bulk, and then delivering those savings back to their local uh, hardware store members. Cool. So what's the difference between a Home Depot that's a bunch of chains and a true value uh, hardware network that's a producer cooperative? Well, not much, except from the community standpoint, 
having that locally owned store is going to deliver more of those savings back to the community. That's right. And this is a good point to mention with the 1345 rule in terms of the dollarization of a community. If you would elaborate, please. Well, there was a study done in Austin, Texas in 2002 uh, looking at the relative impact of <clears throat> excuse me, $100 spent at a Borders bookstore versus $100 spent at a local bookstore. Yeah. And $100 spent at the Borders left $13 in the local economy. $100 spent at the Borders, um, I'm sorry, $100 spent at the local bookstore left $45 in the local economy. Quite so roughly speaking, yeah. if, if you buy the exact same book at the same price at the local bookstore, you get three times the jobs three times the income and the wealth effects, three times the tax collections, three times the charitable contributions. This is a huge difference. And there have been more than a dozen studies done looking at other kinds of businesses, local versus non-local. And while the numbers vary a little bit from place to place, in every single one of these studies, you get a dramatically increased economic development impact from a locally owned business. It's quite astounding. Michael, I wanted to spend a little time with you as well on the subject of capital inflows. Let's take, for example, stimulus. Uh, Some challenges here, getting stimulus dollars down to a localized level, isn't there? Well, indeed there is. And and really, I think the, the big problem here is we have a generation of economic development which has been all about spending money to attract or retain big non-local businesses. Um, And what we can say is that those non-local businesses that are, you know, the things that economic development is spending most of their money on, they deliver less economic development, and also they're not very reliable. Um, There's a study that I've seen of economic development incentives in Oregon uh, that shows that over a 10-year period, the cost of a local business job, uh, if you want to use tax abatements to support a local business job, uh, that's about $2,000 a job. But if you try to attract a non-local job, that non-local business is so unreliable, such an unreliable deliverer of that job, it will cost $67,000. So it's more than 30 times more expensive to get the job from outside attraction than it is to grow the job locally. So if you want to understand why it is we could spend nearly a trillion dollars on economic stimulus and produce so few jobs, it's because that money was largely spent in traditional economic development ways and not focused on locally owned business. And if you just think about the marketing messages, too, you know, you'll see a personality promoting uh, such and such locale. They're really trying to recruit businesses into a community, into a city, uh, Michigan, for example, or wherever. They're not necessarily going to be owned by Michiganians. Absolutely. And and the thing that's so silly about that is that, you know, we have we have thousands of economic development departments in the United States, each of which is fighting to attract this or that firm. Yeah. But they're just moving pieces around the chessboard. They're not 
adding new pieces. So economic development, in the end, does nothing to grow the economy. That's right. There's, it's not a growth model. It's a move, move the chairs around the states model. I just finished a study for the Kellogg Foundation where we looked at the three largest economic development programs in 15 U.S. states. Okay. We looked at 45 programs. Okay. We counted the dollars uh, that were given in those programs over a three-year period, and we found that 90% of the programs were spending most of their money on non-local business, and in most cases, well over 90% of the money. And there it so is. It helps to explain why economic development has been such an abysmal failure. Wow. That's some astounding information. Michael Schumann has been our guest. He's the Director of Research and Public Policy for the Business Alliance for Local Living Economies, otherwise known as BALI, the website www.livingeconomies.org. Michael's uh, own website, blogs, articles, and more. Knowledge Capital from Mr. Schumann, www.smallmart.org. Michael, thanks for joining us on the Small Biz Brain. My pleasure. Small Biz America. The Brain. Online at smallbizamerica.com. Small Biz America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.